Okay, Saints, Exodus chapter 20, verse 15 tonight. You shall not steal. Seventh commandment, let's bow our hearts. Father, as we come to you once again, it is our, we are honored by your presence. Honored that you, God Almighty, would put your heart down in words that we could hold it, read it, absorb it, worship it, receive all that you would have for us in it. Father, we've been reminded that these ten words, this Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, to us it's an impossibility. We know it. We know it. And it is a plumb line. Father, we're so grateful that we've been reminded over and over again that this word is not meant to condemn, it, condemn us, but it is meant to reveal. So thank you for revealing those areas of our heart. And Father, to, again, to teach us that our failures don't condemn us either. Your grace, your grace has exceeded sin. We're sin of God's grace at all even more. And we always have that privilege to turn back to you, to grow and to mature. But thank you, Lord, for illuminating our eyes, illuminating our hearts to this word. And, and this, this commandment, you shall not steal, is no different is so powerful and so freeing when we finally get what it is that you want to say to us, your church. So, as always, give us ears to hear what your spirit would speak to us, your church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, you shall not steal. The Hebrew simply is means to carry it away. Um, it has another connotation in it where it means to deceive. If you've ever heard in the Old Testament, they have a thing called false weights and measures. It's a deception thing. You know, you, you think you're getting so much poundage for what grain you're putting on, but what happens is the, the, the weights are false. And so they wind up saying, well, you didn't give me as much as you thought, and so I don't have to pay you as much. It's a deceptive. Those little things are stealing too. I think the most simplistic term of stealing is this. You taking or wanting something that someone else should have. That's it in a nutshell. You're either taking it or wanting it, something that someone else should have. And, and, and it belongs to someone else. And you say, no, I want it. It's mine. And I think when we look to this, it's, it's more of a thought process. Because if it's, if it's as simple as taking, the opposite is pretty simple. It's what? Giving. It's kind of easy. But it's, it's not, not wanting to give. It's wanting to keep. It's wanting to take. In other words, that mindset, you could call this, what can I get? What can I take? What, what can I receive from it? As we look to this passage, it simply says, thou shalt not steal or you shall not steal. But... We've looked at a couple of times that parallel um, of the commandments found in Leviticus chapter 19. I want to read the two verses to you so that you can kind of keep a flow on what it is that we're studying here, what it is that we're growing through this passage. 
But in Leviticus 19, beginning in verse 11, it's, it, it, it makes this statement, you shall not steal. And then it adds that second connotation as far as the deceptive. It says, you shall not steal nor deal falsely nor lie to one another. Some others don't, don't have false weights and measures. And then we see another part of deceptiveness down in verse 13 where it says, you shall not cheat your neighbor nor rob him. Don't, don't cheat him out of what, what should be his, nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. So we see a certain connotation that when it should belong to someone else and you hold on to it for even a short time and you should be saying, no, I, I don't want to be deceptive. This is yours. I want to give it to you now. And... We see here in verse 11 of Leviticus 19, you shall not steal nor deal falsely. In other words, be honest with all your, your dealings with one another. When it comes to this is yours, this is mine. And then verse 13, you shall not cheat your neighbor nor rob him. It's, it's where um, something that belongs to your neighbor, you can somehow weasel him out of it. But hey, if, if he's, you know, doesn't know what he has and he gives it to me at a better price and I turn around, you know, we, we try to reason away what we can, and we don't mind cheating, robbing. And then it talks about the employer, and we're going to see that it deals with both the employer and the employee, where it says the wages of him who's hired when someone works for you, and he's earned a wage, he says this, and I think it's so important, shall not remain with you all night until morning. Let the guy have his wage. Okay, well, come back tomorrow and I'll pay you. No, it, it's his. Give it to him now. He needs to go home, buy some bread, whatever. It's his. Don't hold on to it. If, you, if it belongs to him at that moment, you hold on to it, then you're doing what you're robbing him. You're stealing. And so it, it's, it's pretty clear where this whole point is as far as what the stealing is. So basically, you shall not steal, you shall not just simply take something, carry it away, you shall not deceive the false weights of measures, and be careful that you don't try to deceive. When, when someone has earned something or someone's paying for something, give them the full measure. We know that there are thieves in Scripture. And uh, one of the first was Rachel. Beautiful Rachel, whom Jacob loved, was basically one of the first thieves in Scripture. Remember there in Genesis chapter 31. I, I found it interesting looking at her personality, looking at who she was, looking at how she was loved, how she was that beautiful one. And yet in verse 19 of chapter 31, it says, Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep. Now, Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's. First thing she does, like, well, it's just dad. You know, it's just his idols. I mean, I, I worship them. I'm going to steal them. I'm going to take them. I want them to be mine. I deserve something. And so she simply feels that I can take what I want. And in verse 30, we see here that... that um, Laban comes to Jacob and he says, And now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? The same term there, why did you steal, is the same thing that we are looking at, thou shalt not steal. And so we see with the first thief, and I find it amazingly, was Rachel. 
The mother of Joseph, the one who was so honorable. Mother of Benjamin. And she steals from her own father, of all people. As you get a little bit further in the scripture, there in Joshua chapter 7, you have Achan. Now, Achan did what? Well, God says, when you come into the land of, of the, that I'm going to give you, you're going to come up to Jericho, and the first fruits are mine. Everything belongs to me. No, nothing, you don't take anything. The first fruits of this city are mine. And why could God say that? Well, what did they do to take it? They didn't do anything. They marched around and looked around and marched around and, you know, finally they, they shouted, they blew the trumpets. That's what they did. And God just brought everything down. It was God's work. He said, this is mine, my fruit. I'm the one that did this. Don't take it. And of course, you know, Achan says, well, I kind of saw these things. I heard one of these things. I come to these things and there I buried them in my tent. Amazingly, as if God hasn't been providing for them the whole time. Like, I still need a little extra. And so we recognize here that there are thieves. One of the interesting things in the Old Testament that I found this amazing is actually the entirety of the nation of Israel. In Malachi chapter 3, God brings about an amazing you know, declaration to the nation of Israel. And he asks this question, will a man rob God? Look, he's still for me. And he says, yet yeah, you have robbed me. And then they say, well, well, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You're cursed with the curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Understand, he said, this whole nation is not giving to me what I deserve. Not giving to me what is mine. Now understand, we're going to see this in, in just a little bit, but we remember how God says, everything's mine. You know, God created everything. What did man create on this earth? I mean, really, what did he create? God made everything from nothing. So my thought is, it's all his. But yet they would take what God gave to them as they should have been stewards. They were saying, I'll, I'll do this and I'll do this. He says, no, you've robbed me. And he makes a statement in verse 9. I found this absolutely amazing. Even this whole nation. He didn't say this whole nation except a few. He said, this whole nation has robbed me. And then he says this in verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessings, and that there will not be enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. It's interesting. Thou shalt not steal. And yet, at the very end of the Old Testament, we see that the entire nation was guilty of this commandment. They're stealing from God. They're the robbing God. Those are our Old Testament thieves, beginning with Rachel, going on through Achan, and then at the very end of the entire nation. Beginning to end. And then you get the New Testament. And the New Testament is kind of interesting. The New Testament, I want to share with you a couple because in, in 24 hours in the life of Jesus, there are a few people that are brought about in the situation of his life. 
And what's interesting is to look at the comparisons. Remember when Jesus was there on the Mount of Olives? And the man Judas came. The man Judas came and greeted him with a kiss. What's interesting is in John chapter 12, verse 5 and 6, it actually makes a, a declaration where Judas is kind of upset. And he said, why wasn't this the perfume that was you know, put on Jesus for his worship, for his burial? And he says, why was not this sold and given to the poor? It was just a great question. This, this should have been sold and given to the poor. That's where it should have been. Why? Because he was in charge of the money box and he used to take what was in it. This should have been given to the poor. Poor me. You know, it should have been given to me. I, I it should have been, I, I mean, I'll dole some out, but I, I should have some too. And it's interesting to see that as Judas comes and gives him a kiss, that it's one of the first things that here's a thief. A thief comes to Jesus and greets him with a kiss. The next individual that's there in, in the scenes and the events that go through with Jesus is the high priest asks the people, <clears throat> all right, it's, it's our custom to let someone go. Who do you want? Do you want this man Jesus or do you want Barabbas? And they all said Barabbas. They wanted Barabbas. Now in John chapter 18, verse 44, it makes a statement where they say, you know, um, not this man, not Jesus, but Barabbas. And then the commentary of John through the Holy Spirit says, now Barabbas was a robber. Do you understand? Here's Jesus. One comes and greets him with a kiss. Deceit. And he was a robber. He was a thief. The next is the whole nation chooses this man. We want, we want Barabbas. We want a robber. We want a thief, not Jesus. And then uniquely, after Jesus is brought to Mount Calvary, he's brought to Golgotha. There's one man on the right, one man on the right, left, and those two, it says, are the thieves. Mark chapter 15 Verses 27 and 28 with him, he, he also crucified two robbers, one on his right hand and one on his left. Absolutely amazing to see that here in this time frame that there is these thieves. And we realize that, you know, as, as John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said this, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So how does, how do we get life? He gave. He gave. This is, think about this. You've got, you've got Judas who takes, Barabbas who takes, the thieves who takes, and, and Judas betrays the one who gives. The people choose Barabbas over the one who gives. And the two thieves on the cross begin to mock the one who gives. One does turn, one repents. But I find it interesting, you compare these thieves who did all the taking to Jesus who did what? All the giving. You think about the one verse that just about everybody knows, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he took. No, no, he so loved the world he gave. He gave Christ. And a couple of passages I want you to be aware of. The first is found in 1 Timothy chapter 2. 
I'm just going to read a couple of verses there so you can kind of get this flow of really understand that it's just not God who's giving, but Jesus himself gives. Because in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, it makes this declaration. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Jesus, the Father gave, but Jesus says, listen, I know it wasn't like I'm doing this against my will. I want you to know that I'm giving myself. I willingly go to the cross, this I do. In Titus chapter 2, same kind of a, a, a mentality. The, the key is going to be verse 14. But I want to back it up to read from verse 11 to 14. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. You know, that's Jesus. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. You understand? He gave himself for us that, we might, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. You understand that he gave so that we could do what? So could, we could be zealous for good works. What do you think that is? Taking. <laughs> I don't think so. I just don't think that's what it is. I think that it is he gave. It's one of those things where the, 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 the question is, is how can I give? There's, there's a passage, you guys know it, and as I, I read it, you'll remember it. But remember when we're going through the Gospel of Matthew? As we're going through the Matthew, we went through chapter 19. As we found ourselves there in chapter 19, we looked at that passage where we called it the, the, the rich young ruler. And so it begins this in verse 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what thing... What good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? Now he's asking one thing. What good thing shall I do? One thing, me do, eternal life. So in other words, what's the least amount that I have to accomplish that I can get my goal? That's really what he's after. Now, not, not what ten things can I do or what do I have to do. Just what one thing. One thing. What good thing shall I do? And he, so he says, well, why do you call me good? And it's a, it's a good question. He says, you know, there's no one good but one, and that is God. But if you want to enter into your life, can we keep the commandments? And he said, which ones? And Jesus said, well, you know, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Now, it's interesting, in, in, in Mark's gospel, in Mark 10, 21, Jesus actually makes the same one thing you lack, which is why he says, what's this one thing that I lack? And, and what's amazing is this. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, I love this heart. He says, go sell what you have and give. Don't be a taker. Be a giver. What, what one good thing must I do? Give. Isn't that amazing? Just, just, just let God use you as a steward to pour out his blessings. That's all you have to do. 
But don't hold on what you think is yours when you realize everything belongs to God. And so if you want to say, hey, I'm God's, then all right, everything you have is God's, and then let God give you this word. You call me good. No one's good but God. I'm God. He's, you know, the Father's good. I'm good. And so he says, you want to be perfect. And I, I found this intriguing looking at this study. You want to be perfect, give. And he wanted the good thing. He says, here's the good thing. Now, the, the, the sad thing is this. When the young man heard the saying, verse 22, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And it, it's one of those things where it, it's give, it's give, it's give. There's a passage in the Psalms. I want to read this to you. It's found in Psalm 116. Two verses, three verses actually, verses 12 through 14. But within this passage of Psalm 116, beginning in verse 12, and actually, the, 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 the psalmist here is wondering, you know, Lord, I know what you've done. What can I do in response? And so it's a beautiful thought process. I know what you have done. What can I do in response? And, and so we, we see the very first verses. I love the Lord because he's heard. You know, I, he's heard my voice and my supplication. I, he's, he's moved. He's listened. He blesses. And then in verse 12, he says, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? What can I give to God? See, it's different. Now, what can I keep? Or what can I give? You understand? When, when you've realized I've been blessed so much, what can I render to the Lord for all of his benefits? I will take up the cup of salvation. I will call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. So he says, I'm going to minister and give to the, my vows to the Lord. But he says, in the presence of the people, the, the connotation is they're going to be the recipients of my giving. And I think, isn't that cool when you say, you know what? I'm going to give to the Lord, but I'm going to give to what? I'm going to give to people. I'm going to love God, but what? I'm going to love people. You know, and so it, it's an amazing thing that he says, okay, you want to do things for me? Do things for people. And it, it's such a beautiful thing to see how God begins to say, you know, do this for people. The early church, two thieves actually, in a sense, they both died, Ananias and Sapphira. But they did what? Well, what they did is they kind of lied. They said, hey, we sold this for so much, but they didn't. And yet it was all God's. And they said, but wasn't it all in your hands? Why, why do you have to have say, I've done this and I've done this. And when... when he said, and I've done it all. You haven't done it all. You've done some. Be honest. Be, be, be right. When you realize what happened is, is it wasn't that they kept something back, but the key being is they kept something back and they lied. They weren't givers. They were takers. I mean, I was keepers, you know. <laughs> and, and so we see here this incredible area where, where, where God begins to say, here's his heart. Uniquely in Acts chapter 20, Verse 35, Paul is actually quoting Jesus. And as he's quoting Jesus, he makes this statement how Jesus made this declaration. And he, he says this, quoting Jesus, he said, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Give. Be a giver, not a taker. Be a giver, not a keeper. And so what happens is this, that when we recognize the heart of this, the heart of this commandment isn't 
how can I keep it, but how can I contribute? You understand? If I can contribute, and I'm supposed to contribute, and I don't, what have I done? See, I've stolen. I've kept. I've taken. I've deceived. And so when, when this heart of the commandment is, how can I contribute versus what can I get out of it? See, now that's the beautiful thing about the church. See, when you become part of the church, you're receiving, but at the same time you're saying, not just what can I get out of it, what can I get out of it, but oh, I've received, what can I give to the rest of the body? How can I bless? And that's the amazing thing about how the spirit works in the Christian, in the church. It's not about what can I get out of it, but what can I contribute to it? And even in the little things. And the amazing things is there are times where the, the greatest struggle that I have dealt with in ministering to saints has been the elderly. Because they've served, they served, they served, and now they can't serve the way they used to. Now they can't walk, they can't do, they now, now all of a sudden they're, they're in walkers or they're in wheelchairs. And now it's like, well, now I, I feel like I'm not contributing anything. And yet, pray for us. Pray for us. You can intercede for this body. Pray for the people specifically. Pray for us. I think that's where the real power comes. And as, as we look to that, they want to say, but I want to do something more. I want to, but you know what? God has limited you, but he's given you this venue. Don't not contribute in that venue. As we look to this, it's, a, it's an amazing thing that, that God begins to show us because it's not what can I get out of this. It's, it's basically this whole thing of give versus take. Contribute versus keep. And, and remember now that definition of steal was to either carry away or to deceive. And usually we think of the um, stealing as, you know, think of inner city Milwaukee. The poor taking from the rich. Or the poor taking from the middle class. Or the poor taking from the poor. It's in the case of Milwaukee. But they, they do. It's someone taking something. But it's also deception. And this is where I think it's important because we, we read that passage in Leviticus 19 and in verse you know, 11 and verse 13 it talked about the employer talking about the, um, the employees. And I think it's important to recognize that when it comes to work, that what we need to do is, is the, the employees or the, um, the, the scripture calls them servants to the masters. We call it employees versus employers. I think it's important that what you do, you do it unto the Lord, not unto man. You don't do it as a man pleaser, you do it unto the Lord. And it's interesting that what happens is, is that when we go to work, and I think it's important to realize that there are a lot of times that people at work are deceptive. In other words, they show up late and they want to get paid full. They leave early and they want to get paid full. They take longer breaks and they should. Longer lunches than they should. They do their own thing on work time. It's like, well, I, I just have to, you know, I got to grab this text. I got to do this and I got to do this and, and I'll get back to work. And we always do our thing. Well, keep in mind, they're not paying you to do your thing. They're paying you to do their thing. And so we think, is that stealing? Absolutely it is. Because you're being deceptive in, in, in a thing. So it's not just taking things like paper and paper clips and pens or whatever. But it's, it's, it's deceiving your employer thinking that 
I'm only going to work a little bit. I'm going to just ease into this. I'm not going to work hard. And, and keep in mind that they're paying you to do a job. And you should do it as unto the Lord. You should do it as a worship to him. Not, eh, you know, I'll kind of do this and I'll kind of do this. I'll kind of mosey in on this. And, and I, I think it's interesting to see how when we take those longer lunches, we take those longer, it's, it's a deception. It's doing your own thing in coming time. It's stealing. Because you're not giving fully what you should during that time. But he also talks about the masters. And of course, we talked about the masters. And he said, hey, make sure that, that what you do is that you make sure now that you give them the wages on the right time when it was due. I think it's important that that's what you do. You don't keep your wages overnight. You give them to them right away. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. In other words, just because someone is desperate for a job, don't undercut them. They're doing a job. Pay them their worth in the job. Don't say, well, if I can get away with paying you less, I'm making more money. Why would you do that? They're, they're doing you a service. And so it's important for the, the masters as well, the employers as well, to make sure that they do what they can for their employees. James puts it this way, in a stunning rebuke to the um, to the rich, but he makes this statement, and you kind of put this to the employers in James 5, verses 2 through 4. Your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat up your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. And then he says this, Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. And you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, we've got to get in. And all of a sudden as well, like, oh, well, I can't pay you right now. I'll have to wait on that. And I find it interesting that we look to these areas and sometimes we think, oh, I, I didn't steal anything. But do we deceive? And, and if you don't pay the due, then in all honesty, you are stealing. You know, when you're not giving God the, the, the full amount of the tithe and offering, you're, you're robbing God. When you're, what Romans chapter 13 makes a statement of, and I want to start reading in verse 7 of Romans 13, you can actually steal from the government. And it says this, render therefore to all their due. Taxes. Now, I know you're like, oh man, yep. Taxes to whom taxes are due. But you're saying, but my taxes are going to things I, that I don't want. Well, so are other people's taxes. You know, so you're not alone in that. But it's to give the taxes. But you give the taxes to whom taxes. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Owe no one anything except to love. And this is so beautiful to realize that if you do owe someone, pay what you do. But the only thing that you really need to say, I'm in debt to you, should be this. I need to love you. I, it's a constant debt that I need to pay. It's one that, that God calls me, pour out love, pour out love, pour out love. 
That's the only debt that we should have. It's the only thing that we should really need to be paying. And so it's important that we need to respect and honor when it comes to paying taxes. Um, if you have a bill that's due, pay the bill. You know, don't say, well, I'm going to hold off on paying the bill. I'm going to hold off on paying this. If you have a bill, pay the bills on time. And so when, when the, the heart of the commandment that we're looking at is really, you know, is, is the question is, is, what can I get out of this? You know, what, 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 how can I benefit from this? It's, it's, a, it's a giving or taking. And, and then the question is, is this. If I do not give, am I taking? This is the big question. If God calls you to give and you don't give, are you taking? Well, we all saw what happened to the nation of Israel there in Malachi. They were supposed to give, but they didn't give. So what did he say? You're robbing me. This is what should be mine. It shouldn't be yours. You're taking or keeping something that belongs to someone else. And so the answer is, is if I don't give, am I taking? I hate to say it, but when you look at a plumb line, the answer is absolutely yes. Because think of it this way. God has called me and you and enabled us, but he calls us what? Stewards. Do you know what a steward is? A steward means that I own nothing, but everything that I have belongs to someone else. Joseph was a steward of everything in Potiphar's house. None of it was Joseph's, but it was all Potiphar's. But he dealt with it. He was faithful with what was Potiphar's. And it's interesting that he called us to be a, a steward to contribute what is his to whom he desires. And this is what we get to do as Christians. And if I've taken what God has supplied me with, which in all honesty belongs to him, and, 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 and he wants to use what he's made me a steward of to bless someone else, and I don't do that, what have I done? I've robbed God. And I've robbed this person from, from receiving what it is that God wants. The bottom line is, is I've stole. I've stole by not giving what God has called me to give. Why? Bottom line is, you know as well that everything is God's. Everything is God's. A couple of verses that should be there in your outline. But the first one is Job 41, verse 11. You guys know it. Where God makes a statement says, Who has preceded me? Who's gone before me that I should pay him? Do I own, owe anybody? Well, listen, God said, I created everything. <laughs> no one's gone before me. I didn't borrow from him to make this. I created everything from nothing. And so he says, what has preceded me that I should pay him? Everything under heaven is mine. He holds the universe in the span of his hand. Why? He made it. It's all his. So if we take something from the moon, is it not God's? <laughs> Well, it wasn't my neighbor's, it's God's. And, and what does he want you to do with what's his? Do you understand? Everything belongs to him. He says in Haggai chapter 2, verse 8, he says, the gold is mine and the silver is mine. It's all mine. I love that passage we always quote, and we do it a lot from Psalm 50, verse 10, where he makes that statement. He says, every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. Yeah, way to go. Yes. But they're gods. They're gods. And we're stewards of that. And we need to honor God with what is his. And it's so amazing is 
the, the, the question is, what can I get versus what can I give? See, if I'm thinking, what can I get? What can I keep? Then my mindset is, I'm stealing. Because it's not, what can I give? It's, what can I get? What can I keep? What can I, what can I keep to me? It's called greed. And that's really where, 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 where theft comes on. Now, what God did was this. In the Old Testament, for those who were poor, those who were in need, he would always teach the rich to only take part of what you have, leave some so the poor can come and they can eat. There's always a supply. Now, maybe we've seen those you know, stories like with Charles Dickinson and, and uh, where that little English boy comes and he, he takes a, a little biscuit because he's starving and he, he runs away, breaks half of it to his sister because she's starving and they haven't eaten in three days and you know, all of a sudden they come and catch him and they want to cut off his hand because he's stolen. God has always supplied for that. He says you should have something where people can work and they can eat. That should be a norm. And if they don't work, then they shouldn't eat. Then it's up to them. But there should be a, a mode where we don't take everything away from the needy. If they don't have the ability to have a farm or they don't have the ability to plant the vineyard, they should still be able to come and reap. They should still be able to come and, and you know, if you're walking by a field, pluck, pluck an apple off a tree and eat it. Just don't put apples in your pocket and walk away. But if you're there and you're hungry and God has provided, then you take that and you provide and you go on. That's not stealing to God. That's just God providing because everything's His. He says if you're not taking and you're putting in your pocket, maybe you're going to sell it later, then you don't want to do that. Then, then, then it's because I've given it to your neighbor. Let him be the one to do that. He's going to become my best. So you can't take that upon yourself. So when it's what can I get versus what can I give, the greed is, is me, 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 me. And the other is this. What can I get versus what can I give is laziness. If I'm not doing and working what I should be at a job and I'm being lazy at that job, then guess what? I'm robbing because I should be more productive. I should be this. I should be that. And I find it interesting that when we take a look at this, this area, it, it's about honestly... How can I become that steward that glorifies God that anyone who God puts in my path recognizes his love for them? And it's not to mean that I just got to give and give and give. There's other things that I can do. I can give of my time. I can give of this. I can, I can, you know, I can pray for that person. Whatever he calls me to do to give to them, I can do that. And I'm honoring this commandment. When I say, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pray for this person. I'm not going to, I'm not going to minister in that need. Then at that point, he's like, I'm just going to keep it to myself. Then it's not yours to begin with. Remember, everything is God's. And so when it comes to this area of stealing, when it comes to this area of the whole robbing, I think it's important because when it really boils down to, you and I are simply stewards. We're stewards. And, you know, we've looked at the whole thing about murder, and he said if you're just angry, you know, with, with your brother and you call him a fool, you're already guilty of murder. So you see how that commandment is, is falls way back. You know, the, the far end of that bus line we've talked about, that's where murder is. But there's a lot of other stops prior to it. 
And there's a, the, the, the far end of the bus line, and another one is called adultery. But there's a lot of other stops on the way, lusting and all these other things that we talked about last week. And the same thing with stealing. There's a lot of minor stops on the way to thievery. And many of us have been in many of the stops. But what's important is this, is that God says, there is forgiveness. And I think one of the biggest things of stealing, Jesus points it out in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verse 13. He came in his triumphal entry, cleared out the temple, and he said this, My father's house shall be a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves. Prayer is, well, it's saying, God, your will in heaven be done on earth. And how can I become that instrument? How can I give? How can I be used? How, can you, how do you want to use me? That's, that's prayer. And then the root of prayer is, is how can I become an instrument for your will, Lord? And we've made the church what? A den of thieves. What can I get from it? What can I get from it? What can I get from it? How can it benefit me? How can it benefit my kids? How can it benefit my... How can I give? I think JFK was, was amazing for his time. And of course, if he said what he said now, he would no longer be a Democrat. But his whole thing was, was ask not what your country can do for you. Don't ask what you can get. Ask what you can do for your country. Ask what you can give. Biblical precedent. And as we look to this, I think it's an important thing that, that what God has called us is that in his house, and especially here, when we're taught the word, it's, God, what do you want me to do with this for your kingdom? Not, oh, let me just pat myself on the back and I'll change this mindset, I'll change. But it's always, what can I learn from this? And what am I motivated to do from this word for your kingdom? Understand that if he gives to us every Sunday, every Monday night, every Wednesday, every time you sit in the, with a devotion, he gives to you a word that you become a steward of. What do you do with that word? Do you say, what can I get from it? <laughs> or how can I give from it? What do you want to do in my life so that I can reach out to this lost and dying world? And I think when it comes to this area and, and we think, wow, you know, this is probably one of the easy ones where we thought, well, well, maybe I took a pen and I shouldn't have, or maybe I took a paper clip and I should have, and, you know, I stapled some papers together and that worked, and I, I stole the paper clip, you know, or the, the staple, and oh my goodness, and I'll just write them a check when I leave, and, you know, you know here's, here's 17 cents for a paper clip or a staple or something, but it goes deeper than that. It actually is, is us and God. It's about loving people. And, and I think it's an important thing for us to realize when it comes to this area of do not steal. It's not just taking something that belongs to someone else. A lot of times it's not giving to someone what God has called you to give. He's given to you to be a steward of. It's his. Honor him with it so that he can use you as his instruments. Amen? Mm. Father, we do thank you for this word. You shall not steal.
<coughs> a powerful word. Powerful truths. We look to thieves in the scripture. We look to Rachel and Achan. We look to the nation of Israel. We look to Judas. Barabbas, the thieves on the cross. And Ananias and Sapphira, and we just boo and hiss. And then we look in the mirror and make excuses. Father, we understand this word is a plumb line. And it is not meant to condemn us, but it is meant to show us where things in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives are not pure, not perfect. Every one of us have been on that bus line. We may not have gone to the last stop, but Lord, we've, we've been on it. Especially when it comes to, Lord, the, the guilt of being in your house and receiving from you, receiving a word, receiving truth and life, and then letting it sit idle. Not letting it do what it needs to do, not, not becoming an instrument to fulfill those things that we can bless others with them. So Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this seventh commandment. Seven, what a beautiful number it is in your scripture. And this is the one that really comes to the heart of, of who we are as Christians. When we recognize that we are simply stewards, and as stewards, we honor you. Teach us these truths, we ask in Jesus' name. All the saints of God said, Amen. Amen.